you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast is still working on the Theology podcast. From the Chris Wessling podcast studio, it's Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis. Heroes here, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. Part two of our season preview. Wednesday, around the AFC in exactly 48 minutes. Today, around the NFC in exactly 48 minutes. and Plus timeouts. Plus timeouts. And TV timeouts at the end sure, of the Sure, at least one. And then NFL media sanctioned timeouts. You're going to notice when it lands in your feed, wait, why is this one hour and 27 <laughs> minutes? Not really our fault. It's out of our hands. Well, there's the top of the show. There's the ads. There's the NFL Plus uh, read. You know who's going to be super mad? Get your live local games. Scott Hansen. <laughs> well, he no, or he may find it delightful that it's going on longer than than Scott expected. is a straight shooter, an honest man, and if we're, if it's going to say in 48 minutes in the title, and then it's 127, we might lose Hansen. No. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think, think so. Oh, no, we're not. I mean, to him, what's an hour and a half? That's uh, that's nothing. He also seems. I mean, like, in terms of pee breaks, you mean? Right, well, just in terms of like uh, a length of a show, he's used to nine, ten hours. But he also seems like someone who would listen on two point two five speed. I don't know why that is, but I just imagine him like on a treadmill lifting weights, listening to us on two point two five to be like this as is a good test, as good Hanson test. Yeah. Yeah. Because Hanson famously reached out to me privately, <laughs> asked about these episodes specifically, and we've been con- constantly talking about him ever since. Will he hit me up with a text about, hey, guys, here's the speed I listened to. Hey, I was offended by the length of the episode, or I wasn't. Hey, I haven't peed since you, we texted four days I ago. Think he, I think he, I would imagine that he um, pees regularly when not on that show. I don't think that's oh, I never life. saw it that way. That's not a life thing. I that's saw it a, as a life thing. That's a, a certain day of the week. During a certain part of the year. Doesn't need it. Ben doesn't even have indoor plumbing. Not necessary. It's not necessary at all. Um, All right. So we're going to get to the NFC in just a moment. And we're going to bring in our buddy uh, Shook to help us out as the fourth. Just like Claybon was a mensch uh, for the AFC. But before we get to that, uh, the NFL world lost a a giant, a a Hall of Famer, Gil Brandt. Passed away at the age of 91 on Thursday. Um, Gil is seen as the godfather of modern scouting. He was the guy before the Jarrah era in Dallas that built up America's team, um, the uh, Roger Staubach uh, Cowboys of the 70s and 80s, um, and kind of seen as a forefather of the scouting combine and the using, using data. And he was like, he kind of introduced, uh, shepherded in the idea of using computers and data mining in a different way. It was like the original Draftnik. The original Draftnik. Well said, Greggy. And also in later years of his career, uh, was at NFL Media. And um, we can get into it, uh, uh, Mark and Greg. But um, Gil is, was kind of a 
major presence around uh, this media group uh, when we started at the company and we had a lot of uh, uh, back and forth with Gil. Um, so yes, Gil uh, leaves us uh, this week and it's very sad, but uh, what a life for Gil Brandt. Uh, I mean, because there's the historical Gil Brandt and everything you mentioned, there are some incredible um, NFL films, documentaries about how the combine came to be. And he's obviously front and center. And like, I learned a lot from that because we just got plopped in, you know, a decade plus ago where the combines go in full steam and even has grown since. But it was an unusual situation for us because we would at the combine, like he'd come over to our table that his, you know, his essentially his coworkers, um, and just talk shop. And it's like other people were like, holy crap, like Gil Brandt's walking around. Like he was a mythical figure to some, you know, beat reporters that had been around for a long time. But he'd come up to us and just sort of talk shop. And like, um, I always found him um, delightful at the Combine. Uh, there were two things happening. So in the lead up to the Combine, we'd be in the newsroom here in L.A. And uh, he'd call up from some pro day. Um, you know, Texas, Northern Texas Tech or something, and just start rattling off. Our job was to take note, verbal notes from Gil Brand over the phone and, you know, put together a, back then a blog post that described what happened at Northern Texas Tech. And he'd just rattle off names and 40 times. And I remember being like, I don't want to take this phone call because he's just go, he's unhinged with information. So it's like <laughs> someone else will take the call. But like, um, well, but the problem was, and I think in, in the early days on the desk for Mark and I, uh, that was a call that you would get, and it would be like if you grew up, if you kind of did newspaper reporting, like I did part time <laughs> early days. You would never want the track and field coach to call in and get that when yep. you were in the in the bullpen because you'd be, your agate would be a forty minute reporting of every event. Gil was so thorough, um, and what <laughs> happened was, and it happened to you too, Mark. But yeah. I think in retrospect, I look back on it with fondness because I think about. Um, where we started at the company, where we are now, he would ask for us. Uh, he yep. would start calling and ask for uh, his market or his Dan there for us to do because he liked our write-ups. Uh, and in general, I always thought he was a, a very nice guy. Every every time I spoke with him, he was very friendly. He would always be at the Super Bowl in the press box. I always remember hours before the game. And I'd be looking at Gil. What is Gil doing? And I'd ask, Gil, what are you doing? As the guys are warming up on the field. And Gil would be like, I'm tracking the quarterback's completion percentage in his warm-ups. I'm like, that seems insane. <laughs> but, Greg, like he had a system, <laughs> and that maybe didn't make sense to us. And But you know what? Way back in the day, what he was doing probably didn't make sense to people, and, and he became kind of a legend I mean, in the he, industry. He like took ownership of the combine in the draft. I remember I, I was writing one thing and going to the draft in 2013, I think, early in NFL days. And I had a piece of information about a guy's surgery and he calls me up and he explains it all to me so I can correct it and everything. And he felt that way about the combine. But I, I think of him not primarily, but like the reason he's in the Hall of Fame is the way that he changed scouting in terms of using computers and using data was massive, but also in how he looked for players and specifically black players. And I think about the Legacy Bowl, which is happening uh, at my old alma mater, Tulane, this, this weekend. Steve Weish is announcing that, and that's the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And like, who did more from a team perspective in bringing in black players from historically black colleges into the NFL than Gil Brandt. Now he was doing it because it was in the Cowboys best interest, but it was at a time when it just wasn't thought of. And he found so many players that became hall of famers late in the draft, middle of the draft, using this data. And you, you really see a lot of it. Bill Belichick said, like when it, when it comes to scouting and the methods he used, he, Gil would be the first person he would have put, been put in the Hall of Fame. So it is fascinating because how many other Hall of Famers 
did we like work with closely? That's that's not something we did. So uh, no, rest kind of a to go. larger than life figure, Mark. And another thing, if he, he would call and he'd be looking for us, yeah. So you'd have to call him back, and you'd call him at his house in Texas, and his wife would pick up. Yeah, <laughs> you'd call it. It's a landline. I think his wife, her name was Sarah. She would pick up. Uh, she, you could even hear it. It was like an old rotary phone. <laughs> you'd ask for Gil. You could hear her kind of put the phone the rustling, down. Yeah, and then you hear, hello. And then you just there's your 25 minute conversation with Gil. So, like, looking back on it now, knowing what the figure he is, um, it's cool that we had that interaction. Oh, I no, back. I treasure it now because it's like you know we haven't seen we hadn't seen him in a while, and um, you know it's so those memories are are from a different period of time in our career. I, one other little thing that he used to do, and this would probably tweak um other beat reporters, but he'd come up to our table like when Manti Teo was at the combine, and it was like an absolute like mob trying to get me. He's like, hey, uh, Manti Teo is going to be here in five minutes. Because you never know when they're going to arrive. They don't tell anyone. So you can <laughs> tap me on the shoulder. He's like, go get a front row seat. So I just like go trollop up to the front row and be like, "How do you, they're like, what are you waiting for? I'm like, I don't know. Then like, bang, Manti Teo. Well, that reminds seat. me of the other thing. I mean, he was a, a, a figure with major clout at this media group. Like with the NFL draft, he would be the one who you'd learn from, like who was being invited to the draft. Well, he's who the one who picked be them. There. He would yeah. select them. Mm-hmm. And this Gil passed away at ninety one. This is he was in his eighties, and he was still kind of, uh, mm. you know, steering things around. And, I, and you know, he caught there was some controversy later. Aaron Rodgers never forgave him for that for sticking him in that. No, I'm joking. Every, <laughs> everyone thought Aaron Rodgers was going top five. There was some controversy later in his life, and even in, in the past year or so, about some comments he made on the radio. And and I remember thinking to myself like Gil should have never been even in that spot because he knew he was getting older and slowing down. Um, and I remember thinking he shouldn't have said that, but I kind of thought to myself, shame on them for putting him in that position. Mm. And and you didn't really hear from him much after that. And I kind of that bums me out a little bit. That was like his final like public spotlight moment. Uh, but, he did. He did get to make the Hall of Fame. At, it was what, only four years ago to have that moment. I even remember thinking at the time felt like a. 87 years old to have that sort of moment. Not many people get to have that, especially someone that loves football. Good way to look at it. That is kind of the the uh, legacy and the postscript on his career. Gil Brandt um, passes away at the age of 91. Rest in peace, friend. All right. Uh, with that said, uh, let's bring in a uh, man that we also enjoy. Another friend. Another friend. <sighs> <laughs> it's amazing he could even make time for us the way he builds that physique. And I actually I watched that Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, documentary on Netflix, which is wonderful. Just a body double of, of Shook in some some respect. But like you would think uh, Schwarzenegger, how did he do it? How was he able to be Mr. Universe and then become the biggest movie star in the world and then become the governor of California? Uh, it's just drive. It's relentless drive. And that's what's got Nick in the position he is mm. with this media group. What's up, Shook? I did the push-ups, I did the curls, I did Pilates. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a great documentary. Pilates, by the way, underrated training method. I mm. would suggest it. Good Can tip. you do this entire episode in your Schwarzenegger impression? That would be fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings. At least do, do at least one team fully in that voice. If not an entire <laughs> right. you, you know, now that I'm looking at Shook, and he is a striking presence. Shook is from Cleveland, from his home office right now. Mm-hmm. Um. You're a little too young for the old uh, Nintendo game, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, right, Shook? Yeah, I mean, I, I dabbled. Okay. If Shook ever wanted, and this is for the image for people, because sometimes people are like, not as much anymore, but before we were doing a lot of videos, they'd be like, I can't, I didn't think you guys looked the way you look at all. Yeah, which I never took as a compliment. No, it never was. I mean, <laughs> But Shook, if you ever wanted to do with a deep pull, 
uh, costume soda Papinski from Mike, Ty- Mike Tyson's punch <laughs> If you're of a certain age, um, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And, and maybe shook. If you ever go to like a, a Halloween party with a bunch of olds, Papinski is the way to go. Mm. I thought you were going to go with that. Right. Who's the hippo guy that you have to punch in the stomach? King Hippo? King Hippo, yeah. The man was morbidly obese. I'm not saying that that's what Shook looks like. I just didn't know what which you know boxing opponent you were going to reference. Shook, I, I mean, not Shook. King Hippo, you had to know when he lifted up the arm, you punched him just in go the stomach. Left, right, right, in the belly left button, right, left, right. And then uh, he doesn't get up. Do you yeah. know Soda Popinski's original name in the arcade version? Before they had to piece, he was a Rusky. PC it up. Uh, his name was called Vodka Drunginski. Yeah, there you go. What is it not PC to suggest that Russians like, they do like well and just massive I guess stuff. they also just didn't want kids asking the question of what what does that mean right it does as someone with um, Irish heritage I always find it strange that it's it's all okay to like talk about Irish people love to drink and they're drunks <laughs> but then Soda Popinski has to get his name changed right you know well it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel fair anyways next episode yeah we'll see you Monday. <laughs> I have nothing further to add. I agree. Shook. You've said it all. No. All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> we'll see. <you. laughs> Around the <laughs> NFC in exactly 48 minutes. We start with the defending conference champion, Philadelphia Eagles and Mark Sessler. All right. Nobody has repeated as NFC East winners in 20 years. Okay. What? But ever since he escaped that shed to win his power struggle with Chip Kelly, Pocahontas. Howie Roseman has operated as a five foot eight magic user. The Eagles always find a way. Their offensive and defensive lines are the d-s. This defense had 70 sacks last season. We They're one of two that. teams to rank top six in both offensive and defensive EPA per play. When most top heavy teams coming off a Super Bowl would have lost guys like Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Fletcher Cox. They kept them all and stole Jaron Car- Jalen Carter in the draft. Sam Monson at PFF noted that the entire Eagles backfield, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, and Boston Scott, costs less than the Jets paid Dalvin Cook. No other team in the NFC operates with such cunning. Mm. Who or what stops them? Just like bad luck. I mean, because they did win a lot of close games. Bill Barnwell brought that up on the Over Under podcast uh, that we did. Injuries. They, they were a healthy team. Although, one of the reasons I'm so confident in them, and I'm, I'm, I agree with everything you say. I, I love them. I think their weaknesses are not that important, like off-ball linebacker, maybe secondary depth. Uh, their backups are great. And I think the thing that I'm most excited about is can the guys in their prime continue to get better? Can A.J. Brown actually go up another level? Can Devontae Smith continue to, to improve? Is this Dallas Goddard's all-pro year? Can Jalen Hurts show that he's like the Super Bowl Jalen Hurts? Like That is all possible that they get better on offense, and maybe that makes up for a little defensive decline, Shooky. I mean, I, the one thing I worry about last year down the stretch, I know they had injuries. Jalen Hurts missed some games, but I, I worried at the time, did they peak too early? And then they ran through most of the playoffs and got a little bit of luck in the NFC title game. Uh, can you sustain that? Now, it's great that they draft well, and it's great that the majority of their key players are back, but I get that sophomore slump vibe. I worry mm. about the sophomore slump vibe. I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to slump, but it's hard to get back there. It's very difficult. And this is a very strong team. I feel fairly confident, but I back of my mind, worrying about that slump, is it going to hit them this year? It felt like such a special season for the Eagles, and it was. And as we talked about, you kind of get the feeling if Jalen Hurts gets that ball back in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, they probably are the defending champions right now. Maybe that works in their favor and against the idea of a sophomore slump shook that they didn't get to the mountaintop. They're still hungry and angry how that game turned out. Um, But I'm with you guys. I feel like, and credit to Howie Roseman, escaped the Poconos, 
and has built this studly roster, and they are locked and loaded and ready to go. And, and short of a Jalen Hurts injury, it's hard to imagine any team like picking any team with more confidence to win 12 games in this conference. Yeah, and people mm. point to like two new coordinators, Sean Desai, who a lot of people say this guy is a, a total mf or behind the scenes, a great guy. A lot of Eagles fans are happy they don't have Jonathan Gannon. I think so, too. But Brian Johnson, their QB coach, who's now the OC, has known Jalen Hurts since he was a youth. So I don't think this transition is a problem. Mm. I hate calling timeouts early. Wow. I got it, though. I got to call an early timeout. I think you did this yesterday. Timeout. I think it's important because you uh, – who did you just refer to as a MFer? Sean Desai. I think it's important distinction. Do you mean like a bad MFer? I'm, I think he's like a like a guy's guy and he like he commands – It's like a bad MFer. Yeah, yeah, a good, a good way. If you just call someone an MFer, it's almost like the worst insult. This is a good timeout to clarify the language. Um, but maybe you, you know, mean he's a bad – like a terrible guy. I just heard that he is um, talented and commands – He's a more. bad MFer. Yeah. That it's not like a step down, that it's like this guy's going to come in and the Eagles, who had 70 sacks a year yeah. ago, who Say knows no what the sky, what the limit is up Say there. Say no more. I didn't want to leave our audience at all confused with what you were saying. Well, I'm I trying to, which Howie motherfucker. I forget who it is. Is it McCarthy? Like someone loves taking like an early first quarter timeout. Uh, it's just like a trademark. That's Dan's thing now. Yeah, that's me. Um, Greg, the Dallas Cowboys. All right. I was putting together the NFL.com predictions and... I struggled whether, well, maybe the Cowboys are that team that doesn't make it back to the playoffs. Just thinking of their, you know, history of ups and downs and not being consistent. And then, and then I was like, I kind of snapped myself out of it and thought on paper, this is their best team since 2016 and maybe better, maybe the best defense in the NFL. It's not just Parsons and Lawrence. They're deep at edge rusher in terms of their backups, like Sam Williams. I, I love their safety group. I love what they did add in Gilmore. Like, I don't know what this team's problem is other than the Dallas Cowboys. It's kind of crazy that I was even thinking to keep them out of the playoffs, and yet they are the Dallas Cowboys, so that feels like it's still somehow possible with this schedule. I don't know what, I don't know what to do you. with this team. They look so good on paper. I'll tell you what the thing that, that disappoints is Dak Prescott. Uh, you, know, you can look at the interception total from last year and talk about that, but really – I think there is a little bit of writing on the wall or maybe just an underlying theme there with the whole acquisition of Trey Lance. They're going to deny that they're going to, you know, it doesn't matter whether they inform Dak or not. I think that the confidence in him is a little bit rattled from last mm. year. And I go back to the one game they lost to Jacksonville late in the season where I was like, there's their weakness. There is their fatal flaw. And did that come back to bite them in the playoffs? Not necessarily, but if you're talking about getting to a Super Bowl, you got to have consistent play turnover, free play from your quarterback. They just didn't get that last year. And at this point, it feels like, you know, Dak's debut season, which he's set the league on fire, feels pretty far away, even if they are super yeah, talented. And I would say also when he has to come out and say, you know, I'm going to only throw this many interceptions. Yeah. I don't like the idea of that, you know, counting that stat as you're going along and it reducing your desire to make fiery throws. That if you become too conservative. And I also wonder with Mike McCarthy calling plays, did they get more conservative? I mean, I thought that Kellen Moore was a, a tend, tend to be quite aggressive, and Mike McCarthy, clock management issues were always an issue in Green Bay. So is this a, a positive or not? Well, depends. I mean, it was more behind the controls of the way these two seasons ended, so who knows? But, like, I don't know. I thought you made a good point the other day, Mark, that there does seem to be a heaviness around Prescott and a weariness almost. Like, it's tough being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, especially when the – 
um, the years start to pile up and you haven't done anything substantial as a team. I think it's a big year hmm. uh, for Dak. And I do think, Greg, that as much as like everyone just said, okay, they got Brandon Cook, so they addressed that, that missing playmaker. That's the only thing. I like this team a lot, and I think they're going to give the Eagles a real run for their money potentially. But I don't know if Cooks was the upgrade that, that – made me feel like, okay, they, they've addressed he, that now. He's looked good, but it's partly Jalen Tolbert looked good in camp. I, like Gallup is another year who we talked to on the podcast away from surgery. I just think they have answers at almost every position on the depth chart. Uh, running back worries me a little bit, but if that's your biggest worry and you still have Tony Pollard, it's not that bad. The New York Giants. It was impossible, even for Greg, not to have uh, some begrudging respect for what the Giants pulled off last year. The G-Men finished the G-Men finished the regular season with a negative point differential, negative DVOA, but they still had a winning record. They claimed a wild card spot. They took out the Paper Tiger Vikings in the first round of the playoffs, and then reality bit hard with the Eagles, but, you know, that happens. Uh, even with that slice of humble pie, the season was a success, and few teams were coached up as well as New York a year ago. Dayball and D.C. Wink are back. Daniel Jones signed long-term. Darren Waller joined Saquon Barkley. It's a nice little NBA jam style, uh, one-two punch. Uh, the consensus theory here is that the regression monster will bite hard. Greg's about to say that. But if Dable and company are building something here, um, is it possible the Giants get better? That that was a, a stepping stone year, and they are in the mix once more. I think they could be better, and the record wouldn't be better just because the division. I, I think that's the same with the Eagles, too, and the Cowboys, just because of the schedule. I, I am torn because I think the coaching staff is really good. And on paper, I think they are a better roster. You're seeing now in year two under Joe Shane, some development. I am curious. They're starting two rookie corners on the outside. Deontay Banks, first round pick, not a surprise there. Trey Hawkins, sixth round pick, who they just love. Those are your starting uh, players in a defense that puts a lot on their cornerbacks. Yeah, I think the back seven on defense is a bit of a concern. Um, I Here's the thing, though. like, ha, How can they be better? Well, the reports on Jalen Hyatt are have been great. Um, that he's been lighting up camp. Like there's a different, there's multiple, there's multiverses you could have gotten with Darren Waller and all the reporting on him is that mm -hmm. he and Daniel Jones have been fantastic together and Waller looks like the old Waller. And I think it's comes down to like, you know, they were, they were trying to focus on Daniel Jones, the passer more at the end of last season. And they still has that running ability in that floor. But do you get that Brian Dable, Josh Allen type of bump where you get more touchdowns and you keep the ball safe, which has not been true of Daniel Jones before last season. If he improves, I think this team is a playoff team. I, I pegged mm. him as a wild card team. Wow. Uh, spoiler. Spoiler. Jesus, Mark. For who? <laughs> for the people that are waiting for that Monday season prediction. I mean, pod. for who? For, All the people that listen to the show. <laughs> for Nick. All right. Well, Nick, I apologize. That's two, Mark. All right. Well, I'm putting myself in line for a dart here, and that's fine. But I feel like Johnny Raincloud in this in this episode so far because I'm going to be the downer here. Cleveland, this is going to test yeah. Eric's uh, skills. So Supersonic darts right now. I just wasted ten Super of your seconds. <laughs> Basically, I'm going to tell you this. I agree with everything you guys just said. I think they have a great coaching staff. Their roster on paper is better. They should be better than they were last year. And yet, for some reason, I just feel like they're not going to be any better and could be slightly worse. And it all comes down to Daniel Jones. Mm. Maybe in a couple of years, you regret paying him. It's just I'm not inspired by his play, even though they figured out how to kind of get more out of him than any other staff did. Time out. <laughs> what? Talk about clock management. <laughs> it's time bad. Out. It happens. This is so bad. It happens sometimes.
Is anyone else allowed to call a timeout, by the way? Right, but you have to have no. When I have did, to have the guts like, to do it. Tur- he yeah. turned it into a TV timeout, which never even had existed <laughs> That's real. before. I'm not giving you this timeout. That's what, real. is there an injury on the field or something? <laughs> That's a timeout. We get three. And at the end of each division is a quarter break. There's a halftime break. There's just these things you have to know. All right, mean, what, is, what is this for? What do you need it for? <laughs> Finally, Greg. Now I forgot. Um, Shook. You uh, forgot. Uh, because you guys don't let me focus. All right, I'll let you focus while I say something. It is a good sign, if we're going to keep talking Giants, that they were able to cut Jamison Crowder and Cole Beasley uh, yeah. out of camp. That actually felt to me like, ooh, that's progress. Your receiver room actually stayed healthy enough. Your young players are looking good enough that you didn't have to keep the progress stoppers Cole Beasley and Jamison Crowder. Where at this point a year ago, those guys would have made the team. Yeah, uh, the point I was going to make was that Daniel Jones, one of the big story, and this is an example of how great the coaching was for the Giants last year, and I think Dable got coach of the year, and he deserved it. He did, right? Yes. Yes. Um, Thank Fumbling was a ma- – thank you. <laughs> fumbling was a major issue for Jones in his first initial three years in the league. They changed the way they used him to protect him, just like Josh Allen struggled initially, and then Brian Dable figured that out. And they, they said, all right, if the first read's not there, get out of the pocket, scramble, and use your legs, pick up first downs that way, and then you know when the pressure's coming, you're not getting hit, the blindside hits as much. All of it was just so well done. And my final point, I guess, was just, shook coaching matters. And the, the jump from Judge to Dable, mm. the idea that they can – continue to build something uh, because they might have unlocked Jones. We'll see. Perhaps, or they that that bump you get from good coaching was what got them to where they were last year, mm-hmm. and, and now it's about personnel, and that's why I'm not confident. It's just the fact that he, he boosted them to that point. I don't even they, totally disagree with to you better. guys, but I just think someone has to say because it's such a kind of boiled in take now to the, everyone's preseason conversation. The Giants are not relevant. Well, he's got him in the playoffs. No, Judy I, Batista, I just I just saw, who wrote the great uh, obit yes. of Gil Brandt on the site. She's got the Giants in the playoffs. I saw her tweet that out, too. Two so, Giants fans. So, so two people that believe. They give me 2018 <laughs> Bills vibes. If you, if you remember Joe Shane, who was there in Buffalo, they made the playoffs that first year with Tyrod Taylor. They, they set the foundation. They had Josh Allen the next year. They actually almost seemed better, but they didn't make the playoffs. They were under 500. The Washington Commanders, Nick Shook. Ron Rivera has hitched his wagon despite my concerns about a month ago to a second-year quarterback with only one start under his belt. So we commenced the prove-it year where Sam Howell has to prove he deserved the responsibility of being QB1. Chase Young, who played in just 12 games in the last two seasons combined, has to prove that he can stay healthy enough to be worth paying or even pursuing next year. And right now he's dealing with a stinger. In fact, Ron Rivera today said, I have no idea what the doctor is going to do, but I do know right now that he's told him that he can continue to progress and get himself ready to go. So he may not even be ready for week one at this point. And speaking of Ron Rivera, he has to prove to new ownership, that he's still fit for the job. Hell the franchise might even change its nickname again. Everything's up in the air right now. So I asked this question, is this the start of a beautiful new era in Washington or the final chapter of what could be Washington's great prelude? The latter. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, Ron Rivera's in a tough spot. And one of the reasons he's in a tough spot is that the Commanders have had 12 starting quarterbacks since 2018. I mean, t- 12 different passers. Like, that's how you don't make progress. They've not found a guy. I think, though, if you have Sam Howell and he ends up being as spicy as 
you know, hints and suggestions say he might be, um, that can change everything. I mean, I'm not sure that saves Ron Rivera's job, though. It kind of feels like when Doug Collins got fired by the Bulls because they knew they had this star in Michael Jordan, and you get someone real in there to coach him up. Well, mm. different sports, though. <laughs> Very different, but Very you know different. what I mean? Who's it's like, the Jordan in this scenario? Sam Howell? Well, we don't know. Speaking of, no, Sam Howell is not so. Michael Jordan. I'm not um, making that comparison. Ron spoke with uh, Burt Breer. Uh, about the Week 18 Hal game, and here is the Ron Rivera quote. I kept saying, if I would have known this, I would have played him sooner. When you only have so much time to show it, it's hard. I keep thinking, mm. God. But after the game, everything told me, this kid, give him the opportunity and see what he does with it. Well, you waited until Week 18. But one. that's what bugs me. But B, it's like, okay, let's let's uh, see if Rivera's eyes are right. Uh, but that seems – taking too much out of a one game at the end of a season I, I think drives he looked, me crazy. I think he looked good in the preseason. I think it makes sense to, to give him a shot considering sure. where they were. But to me, it's not about him. It's about – this defensive line. This is year four for Ron Rivera. This defensive line has a chance not just to be the, the best defensive line in the league, but to be a defensive line that like Commandos fans remember forever. The first year post Snyder, we have Montez Sweat, who to me, his power, his first step, he's one of the most underrated players in the league. Deron Payne, a great uh, player coming off uh, a franchise tag, his best season, Jonathan Tate Allen, a literal all pro and Chase Young, the fourth best player on their defensive line was the number two overall pick. And maybe now he's healthy again. Like that group alone can be special, can make them worth watching. And I I'm pretty high on them. We'll have to tell you how high on the next show. If they if they get rid of Young at some point, Young and Sweaty is gone. Oh, he got it in, I thought. That is absurd. I got it in by the buzzer. Let's go back See, there behind the You got to let him talk back to you like that? That's what happens with the producers. They they shoot the pull the trigger once and then they can't stop. I think we if need to go back and look at the clock, look at the tape on that one. I mean, pay I attention, America. That was a little social commentary from the old Zeuser. All right. Um that was the NFC East. Uh let's now move to the NFC North. Uh right back to you Nick Shook with the Vikings. All right. Well, Minnesota, uh, you called him a paper tiger earlier, and I agree, because last year's surprise certainly isn't getting very much love this time around, rightfully so, but it's also hard to love a team with so many replacements. Eric Kendricks is gone. Zadarius Smith, get out of here. Adam Thielen, go enjoy the Atlantic Seaboard because you ain't retiring in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook, probably the most, the highest profile of them all. His life sounds like a Christopher Cross song from the 80s. When you get caught between Minnesota and New York City. Wow. I hope you like the bright lights of the Big Apple because you ain't seeing the Northern Lights anymore, my friend. 13 wins last year, 31st in total defense. There's a problem. Something here doesn't match up. Out goes Ed Donatel. In Brian Flores is his mastery of defense enough to propel them, keep them really afloat, I think, after losing so many key veterans on both sides of the ball. The offense will be okay even without Dalvin Cook. He's still got Justin Jefferson. TJ Hawkinson just got paid. But I just feel like this team, we knew it wasn't 13. What was the bad move, though, there? I loved all of those uh, moves. I think that was what a smart team does is get rid of every single one of those players you just mentioned. Yeah, but they have all sounds positive. Doesn't necessarily mean you win games. But uh, who was good out of that group that like at their current salary? Maybe Cook. Maybe that's Cook. it. But he was making thirteen yeah. million dollars. Greg doesn't even think Dalvin Cook should be in the NFL. Smith, I like Cook. Darius Smith's a good, a good player. Yeah, 
But I think the Vikings are clearly, they're building something different. And yet this is sort of like, this was the worst defense a year ago, obviously. Um, There's not a lot of evidence they'll be much better. They still have Harrison Smith. Byron Murphy can play. I think the thing is that Flores, though, uniformly, everyone has talked about how much they love his system, how much they love playing for him. So if you can keep him around after this year and you get into that second part of the rebuild, I kind of like that for Minnesota a lot. I think Brian Flores should be a head coach. I think they were smart, and the salary cap played a role in this too, but I think they were smart not to get sucked in by what happened last year 13 wins you'll never see anything like that well again. 11 and 0 in one score games yeah that's a that is about as an anomaly as so you can they're turning things over figuring things out letting Kirk Cousins play out his contract I think these were all wise moves why am I still though kind of feeling in this division they're laying in the weeds and yes they could be in first place at the end of November I, I just yeah, don't rule them out because I love the Jordan Addison pick I think that offensively, they could be pretty dynamic. And defensively, a lot of times it's less about just pure talent and more about energy and coaching. And Flores, to me, is the perfect coach for an under-talented defense. There's different coaches it's like you want with talented players. Like, he can scheme up a, a, a bad group to be decent. I don't know if, like, he's the guy you want, like, doing all this crazy stuff with the most talented group, but I think he could do a lot with this one. I'm with you. Young young secondary, though. Okay. They, they had Evans, the worst defense last year. Right. It's not like they're that. They, how they can't be that. Lars is there. That's good. And, and they have Justin Jefferson. He's he'll win three games for them alone. Detroit Lions. I love teams that enjoy a successful building block season and then they retain their brain trust. The Giants, same thing. The Lions won eight of their last ten, ten games. Became the talk of the league. And they returned this year with Dan Campbell at head coach, Ben Johnson at OC, Aaron Glenn running the D. The draft was funky. Jameer Gibbs with 12th, 12th overall, seen as a reach. Middle linebacker Jack Campbell at 18 was seen as slightly deranged and a clear Dan Campbell special. But other less heralded moves were made. They overhauled the secondary. That was necessary uh, for a D that improved as last year went along but still needed work. Uh, offseason hype and the Detroit Lions don't go together. Uh, but the logic here checks out that projects them as the best team in the NFC North, the most complete team ready to take that leap and get to the playoffs. So why can't I see it? Mm. I, I, I can I see it. it here. I don't know. I, I think like, I think it's, it's sort of natural to um, when we talk about these teams for so long in the off season that like, you're on board, and then suddenly you're like, I might be flipping her here into the other thing. And it's like, you could point to Jared Goff and say, will there be a regression? But here's the thing I think they have that they carried over from last year, a really mauling, talented offensive line. So bang, that's nine or 10 wins right there in my book and a really good pass rush. And I think you've got these, this talent up front on both sides. That kind of reminds me of the Eagles. I just think they're a team that can go beat people up and shore over some of their weaknesses. I, I love what they did defensively. And I I think that's what stops the regression is. Yeah. I don't expect their offense to be as good. You're not going to get as good a season out of golf. Your number two receiver is who exactly? I mean, it's, it's like Josh, Josh Reynolds. Eventually, it's Jamison Williams. Maybe, but, but I mean, I don't necessarily. That's how they'll view him, I would right. think. But whether he can play the guitar, we shall see. But I think in the secondary, adding C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, Emmanuel Mosley is going to be back there. Brian Branch looks like. I, I really think they could improve from one of the worst defenses, Shook, to an asset, to a better-than-average defense. And then you're then you're cooking with gas. But to me, this division's wide open. It's nice to have a division that's wide open. I don't feel like many divisions are like that. Anyone could win this division. Yeah, I think that this is a team that's not going to need the offense to carry it so much this season. It's going to be a team that 
is more balanced, is going to take a bit of a step back offensively just because you're not going to replicate that year by year with Jared Goff, who we know what his ceiling is. But I totally agree with what you said about the secondary. I think it's improved. And honestly, everybody crapped all over the the first round picks. And even Sam Laporta, that pick too. If that's no your guy, who, go get your guy. Who is on Sam Laporta? Come on. That's well, a, that's he, a, he caught that's some a... strays too because he's an Iowa guy. You know, whatever. Mm. Jack Campbell, if that's your guy, that could be your guy for 10 years at middle linebacker. And if that helps your defense get better along with the additions he made, in the secondary, then go do it. You knew that was your weakness. Go get the guy that you think will make you better. I, I honestly, you know, we've talked about this team so much, and I agree that we're we're tired of it. We want to pick somebody else and go away from chalk I'm not, because I the like Lions it. are should not be chalk, right? But I'm sticking with them. I think they're going to be solid. I do worry about them a little bit a week from now against that Chiefs team, and what happens if they don't if they get slaughtered? I'm taking the dart. Third year for Dan Campbell. We have a rule. Total lack of respect. Well, Mark came in with the the Chiefs are a hard team to beat take, and that was my Dan Campbell opening. He took my opening. <laughs> I'm more saying well, psychologically, if they were if they were dissembled on national television in the kickoff <laughs> opener, like that's I wonder what happens to that kind of team from there. They've not been in this place. We think they're mentally tough, though. I don't question their mental toughness at this point, but if I they mean, were to lose 45, they're not going to. They're going to. Mark up, was like grudgingly uh, brought uh, through that like six game winning streak at the end of last. No, year. it was because <laughs> it's like it's on this show when you're when you're amped up to like through the ceiling. It's like, uh, what am I going to just sit here and just absorb it? Like, there's nothing you can do to be more energetic than Greg about the Lions all last season. So it's like. I, I also bar- you buried them in the middle of the season, so they were like a bad pick, essentially. So that you know, they came back. I thought they were fine. I enjoyed the experience as much as I chose to. <laughs> um, Dan Campbell, this is his third year. If we if we subscribe to the thing that coaches don't get a fourth year if they don't make the playoffs the first three years, is he an outlier? I don't know. There is pressure though. This will be seen as a disappointment if they don't make it. Apologies to the academy breaking the rules. Give me a trick. Give me right in the face. In the face. In the <laughs> cheek. Taking it right out of my cheek. <clears throat> um, the Green Bay Packers, Greg. I- I'm excited about this team. I don't know what's going to happen in this division. I think they had one of the best camps of any team in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers. Bakhtiari's healthy. Jenkins is there. That might be the best left side of an offensive line in the league. The offensive line in general looks fantastic. I think they gave up one quarterback hit in three preseason games. I, I know it's a preseason. I think Jordan Love checked all the boxes. I think the two rookies that are going to play a lot, Musgrave and Jaden Reed, had nice camps and checked some boxes. I hate um, that they didn't make a change at defensive coordinator, but there is a lot of talent on the defensive side. I just think they had a really perfect camp, and I do think there's a little bit of uh, post-Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, let's show them what we can do without the old gunslinger around. I'm so with you because I think as much as we have on a national stage seen a transform Aaron Rodgers in terms of attitude, happiness, contentment, like the Packers and I think Packers fans should embrace this completely new, mysterious leg of the journey. I mean, you're kind of freed from the expectations that were there with Favre. I think they have. Rodgers. I think but they, I think they have. have. I, think, but I think that's something about them is I feel I'm refreshed. I'm more excited about this division and this team in a long time because I think actually love is going to succeed. I mean, it's like, I don't think it's a bad thing for some of these quarterbacks to sit and learn for a couple of years. I know that's no, now you just throw him out there in week one as a rookie, but it's like he may have benefited from being behind Aaron Rodgers mentally for a couple he of years. He needs some help. I mean, Christian Watson really uh, balled out as the season went along. So I feel good about him as a developing star. 
Romeo Dobbs, you're going to want him to take that next step. I think that's certainly uh, possible. You have Luke Musgrave there. But again, I just can't get – I have too much recent history. I can't get excited about rookie tight ends. I just can't. But maybe he develops quickly. I like the idea, the theory of it, that Matt LaFleur – and Jordan Love, they're putting their heads together. Let's let's stick it to the football cognizante. Mm, with a clock, that pause is even worse. Uh, but you have to have the goods. And yeah, we don't know yet. We don't know what LaFleur is like without Aaron Rodgers, and we don't know who Jordan Love is yet. Sure, but I think the, the line in the running game shook. Maybe it'll make the quarterback look better. Yeah, although I thought it was strange that they, you know, kicked the tires on Jonathan Taylor. That was kind of interesting considering who they have at running back, but that's neither here nor there. What's more important to me is I got that feel-good vibe through the TV on a preseason game. And usually preseason games are sleepy. It's just, all right, we're going to come out and see the starters for a couple series, and then it's just going to kind of peter out to the end. It was not the case in Green Bay. The young kids are now in charge. They've taken over this team. Do I think Jordan Love's going to go be an all-pro? No. But do I think that the release of the pressure with the departure of Aaron Rodgers can kind of invigorate this team that has a talented defense, it has a good running game, it has a good offensive line? Yeah. The young kids at receiver, they look like they're start, starting to take the next step with uh, Jordan Love. I, I like this team. Sneaky good team. Did you know the Colts, in exchange for Jonathan Taylor, asked for Lambeau Field and the blood of the firstborn children of Milwaukee? That was what the trade offer was. I did not. But what what are the like the rules and regulations of this show? I mean, the man who started show business, the, the two day exercise. That was a good line. Let's respect. Let's respect the trend. Like very solemnly, you said that. And then it overrides it overrode the cloak. It was a good bit. So I had to get it out. And, I, and I'm taking the L. And you guys are so stuck in your ways with your rules that you couldn't see a good bit when I was staring you right in the face. We, I, the firstborn. You know, no, no one was questioning the bit. We all like the bit. We just have respect for the game. We yeah. all like the bit. I'm not following any rules anymore. Great bit. I'm just going to keep talking as much as I want to. I mean, Milwaukee is is far from Green Bay. They're sort of a, in there, like a little bit of a rivalry. Hey, we're not Milwaukee. How far is Milwaukee from Green Bay? Well, they used to play in Milwaukee. Like they used to play split home games. It's like in, an hour, in, like, probably forty-five four minutes four or something. I have day. no idea. One hundred eighteen miles. That's pretty far. It's a major metro area. It's it's the closest major metro area from Green Bay, which is kind of a sleepy area of Wisconsin. You could still be. A, I think it checks a, you out. You could still be a Packers stockholder down there. Like I could have said, the firstborn children of Appleton. Yeah. Which is much closer, but doesn't hit as hard as a bit. Milwaukee's a nice. No, one. you nailed the bit. Not. I don't think anyone's questioning. That aspect of it, Dan. One of the bits of the year. <laughs> you uh, made it out in Cleveland. <laughs> uh, Chicago. The Bears, Mark. All right. We have someone here at NFL Media, Michelle Magic. Um, she is in our research department and one of the hosts of the Ball Blast podcast. And she was the only one of all of NFL Media who picked Matt Eberflus, who's just been you know, verbally taken down all offseason to win Coach of the Year, and here's why. Let's, ha- let's hear from her. Now that he finally has a real wide receiver one in DJ Moore, Bears quarterback Justin Fields is ready to take that Jalen Hurts-esque third-year leap this year. And opposing defenses have already struggled to stop the Bears' dominant rushing attack, and now they're also going to have to worry about their passing game. 
That is brutal for them. But most importantly, they play in the very weak NFC, where a wild card spot is a very easy path for mm. the Bears if they can put it all together. And I'm predicting just that. I think the Bears sneak into the playoffs this season, and if head coach Matt Eberflus can transform the worst team in the NFL last season to a playoff team in just one offseason, he is going to be a top candidate for coach of the year, no doubt, in 2023. All right. Does it check out? If you speak with passion on a topic, you will sell me most of the time. Yeah. I could be easily misled by a charismatic leader, and I think we just saw one. Yeah, I liked you uh, giving up your time. Also, there's a history well, it was of, less work for me, let's of um, somewhat underwhelming Bears coaches winning Coach of the Year. Matt Nagy, a recent one. Dick Duran, two-time winner, I believe. Am I making that up? He at least won once. <laughs> Way to go, uh, Dick. Lovey Smith, who was a better a better coach, but he won Coach of the Year, too. Well, it's, 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 it's a fine tradition. Yeah. Well, I, I understand the idea there because the because they're so down bad last year. That helps. Relentlessly losing that if Fields makes a leap and these additions prop up the roster, they're going to end up doubling their win total, maybe tripling their win total, and that's how Coach of the Year awards are handed out. I, I have my doubts about the Bears, but I think if you're trying to see what Eberflus and Poles are doing, it's in the secondary. I think that's the one area of the team that has a chance to be special other than Justin Fields running. You know, they drafted uh, Brisker and Gordon last year. Gordon's in the slot. Brisker was pretty spicy. Tyreek Stevenson was a guy they drafted this year, and then they still have Jalen Johnson in a free agent year. They still have Eddie Jackson. Like, that, to me, shook as sort of their vision is in that secondary. That's Ryan Poles' guys. Like, if they have a special secondary, the defense can get a lot better. That's that's the part of the team I love the most. And I was I raised an eyebrow when Yannick Ngakwe signed with them because I was like, don't you want to go play for a team that's that you said would be a contender? This is not a team that is necessarily that on paper, but I love that back end of the defense. I think it can be a lot better than it was last year. I'm not going to put them in the playoffs. I'm not going to give Matt Eberflus the coach of the year. But what I am going to say is that I think we were just introduced – to the cult of Mark Sessler. Now they say best coast, West Coast, best coast. I think best coast is Sess Coast. You know, let's mm. let's just gather it all around right now. It doesn't have to be centered on the Bears, but you want to make that argument for any team or or Go any ahead. belief. I'll probably follow you right in line. As for the Bears, um, <laughs> gonna be better, but the bar was low. <laughs> Went in an interesting direction there. I well. It's we're at zero, so I guess I'll just keep talking because that's what we do in this show, apparently now. Get him. Uh, drank your ace. Um, it hit me right in the butt, in the buttocks. Yeah, the the coach of the year, executive of the year stuff. <laughs> Got to be careful. Now it's halftime. What, do you okay. not care? Well, just like, remember that Mike McCagnin once was the Pro yeah. Football Writers Association executive of the year. That's the same guy that passed on Patrick Mahomes uh, because he had Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg already on the roster as developmental quarterbacks. Sound move. Sometimes you get sucked in by one year, and, and I think it's, you know. I want to see a study on these guys because a lot of times you win Coach of the Year because your roster was you know a one win outfit, then you win nine, and everyone's excited. But then you you know you go back down, and it's like when you win these awards, I think this, the year after it's almost like an SI jinx. Like a lot of times they they kind of crater or vanish. And to your point, like McCagnin, like that couldn't have been a more disastrous. Like you know he's he's celebrating too hard off his. Little trophy. Yes, won. and Dick Duran, by the way, only won one coach mm, of the year because he had only oh, one wow. winning season out of five. <laughs> um, before we take a break, Greg, I know you do another podcast with a, a successful comedian, um, but just want to add a little more context on uh, Jessel Nick and Rosenthal Vanity Project. Yeah, people should check that. Yes, um, the bit from earlier. Uh, the context there was that the the Colts <laughs> are asking for a lot in these Jonathan Taylor faux trade talks. 
So for me, I was me coming off the top rope and saying, send Lambeau Field and the firstborn. Yeah. I, Thank you. See, it's all the payoff of it. Yes. But the football context is so important. That's one of the most important things about jokes are explaining them 10 minutes later. <laughs> I thought you needed it. I, I mean, it I didn't sense. need it. We all got the joke. It was a good, it was a great joke. But grounded no in, one was in reality. So I understand that. I, and we football totally analysis. We right. all we all got yeah. it. And um, and I think I think it was trenchant. I think the Colts are up to no good with the, these asking breaks. I think sometimes in this world, people are afraid to laugh. No, you're poking. I, I like what you're doing. And I think it's okay to laugh when a bit comes off the top rope like that. I hope we can have a fourth conversation <laughs> about this um, in roughly 18 minutes. <laughs> All right. It's halftime. Let's take a break. And then we'll get to the back half of the NFC. And exactly. Great. 24 minutes. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And we're back. Before uh, we get to the back half, um, we got to talk about NFL Plus. <laughs> Next Thursday, the debut of Around the NFL on NFL Plus. It's about, a, what, 20 minutes of fun. Breaking down the week that was, the week that's coming up, in that classic ATN style, kind of old mm. school bits that we enjoy. Some new school flavor. Talked about it on the previous show. We're going to have the fan engagement as well by getting involved and sending us uh, submissions of questions, comments that we can react to. Mark. I uh, spoke with someone up on the third floor who said that, you know, since we've started to send the message out that this is going to be happening all season long, that the subscriptions are going crazy. Because those are the people that understand what mm. reality is about. If you're someone that thinks, like, I'll skate by this campaign this year, this season, without being a part of this, you're that, again, you're that person you're floating, that floating through your society, mm. your community, probably getting dumped left and right. Um, you know, no traction in, in, in any sort of career. To borrow That's a Sesslerism, a floating trash bag. You're a floating trash bag. Is that what you want to be? One. And oh, by the way, you get football games. My, my good friend Dave, best man at my wedding, he texted me because he heard our, us talking at football. Yes. He's like, I didn't even realize because he doesn't have YouTube TV. You know, it's great if you do. He doesn't have any cable. He has no way to watch football games. You, you get your live Local, you know, you get the local games, you get the primetime games. He's is just going to be okay? watching it yeah. on NFL Plus. He goes to bars. How many jobs right. does Greg have? Can you peel off a couple of uh, bench and help out Dave? He's doing fine, but he's, you know, a public school teacher. They're not paying them as much as they should. <laughs> and he's got a million different services, so he goes out and he watches. And he, or he gets the illegal streams. A lot of people do that. Oh, A lot of, a lot of young people do that. Dave, so Dave now sort of backed into this whole now thing. Now you got NFL you know. Plus. And so, you, get, you get your game. So not you only did you just tell us that. that Dave is not able to buy all these things, he's also stealing. That's illegal. He was. Now he doesn't have to. He's he's signed up. Now he's share like, his last name and his social security He number. was like, yeah. I was surprised uh, by the local games. I'm, I'm, I'll subscribe. He's in. So if you want to uh, submit videos, atnfanoftheweek at gmail.com. 
NFL Plus plus ATN. All right, let's get back into it. The NFC South, Mark. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, thank you. Uh, I will do Tampa Bay. Uh, I think the most casual fan understands that Baker Mayfield has played well in spurts in his career. Shook, you've seen that. Um, He played pretty well this preseason, but his overall sample size, I think it just spells out this defined ceiling. That was tough for me to come to grips with um, in the past as a Browns fan, but you see it. I think three teams... Very big of you. Very big of me. Three teams have moved on from Mayfield. That is not uh, a great... Lore there, and Kyle Trask is really nothing more than a project. So it kind of leads me to this more general question about the Bucks. Like, why would any NFL team with a relatively attractive roster go into a season with such little juice under center? Because don't tell me, like, they're out of moves uh, or they can't find anyone because creative front offices in 2023 are finding a way to make almost anything happen in the draft on the open market to get that guy. There aren't many teams with this quarterback situation. So where do the Bucks think this will lead when, like, Bobby Joe's sixth grader knows this likely leads to disaster? I have a take. You know, it's a, it's the rage now, uh, post-pandemic life. A lot of people are quiet quitting. Bucks are quiet tanking. It's mm. a quiet tank. It's a quiet tank. It's not an outright yeah, tank. They have a lot of veterans on the they roster. They actually went out of their way to keep those guys. I understand that, but they also don't intend to keep those guys probably beyond this year in many cases. I don't think they intend to keep the head coach or the quarterback. Mm. It, it's a quiet, quiet surrender. Tank. I, I hear you, and there's some guys who you're right, I think will be in there last year. Maybe Mike Evans, maybe Shaq Barrett. Levante David came back on a one-year deal. But they also gave, like, long-term deal to Carlton Davis. They, like... Shaq Barrett is still there. Vita Vea is still there. They, I don't think they're tanking. I think they have a huge cap hit with Tom Brady, who's making 30, or he's not making it, but he's $36 million. And at quarterback, they thought they could get by if the rest of the team is good enough, which it's not. It's not going to be good enough. Yeah, they, they sold their soul and they attached themselves to a gamer of a quarterback who has uh, more teams in the last year than, than well, most other things. So. Uh, did that did fall flat? You know it. But what I will say about the Buccaneers. Well, the is problem that, is the 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 one minute warning stepped on it. Yeah, and I literally went didn't off hear in the middle you. of it. You want to redo the bit? No, no, not oh, at all. Because oh, it was damn. terrible. Well, you're the I only bombing. one that doesn't. <laughs> I would say the Buccaneers are this. They're a team that is in transition. That is, you know, paying for their title from a few years ago, and they they know that they don't have much room to operate. And they went with Baker, who you know, is going to potentially, you know, lead them to a few gritty wins. And it's going to be that there's going to be a lot of turnovers. There's going to be an inaccuracy and inconsistency, and they're going to have playmakers outside. They're going to hope for the best. And maybe their defense will be good enough to keep them in some, some games, but it's a wide open division. So they feel like they don't need to be an elite team to win the division. I just don't think they're going to win the division. When do we see Kyle Trask? I don't. When the season is lost. I, I think I do the, like the, uh, not sixth round rookie Trey Palmer looked pretty spicy. I think he's going to get some snaps. Kind of a fun guy to watch. The Carolina Panthers, Greg Rosenthal. I, I feel like I've been negative on, about the Panthers here. They were my number one pick as the under. So let's let's spin it positive. I thought Bryce Young in the preseason actually looked exactly like you would think Bryce Young would look like. I, I do think he's going to be someone. You have to watch. You're going to have to watch him, maybe even on the All-22 each week, because his surroundings are going to make it difficult for him. But I think there's a way for him to be successful, for Frank Reich to set a foundation for what he's going to be without having incredible numbers. But 
he sees the field. He can be that point guard. He They're asking him to do a lot. I, do, I think they're going to ask him to do more than maybe any rookie quarterback since Burrow, at least, in terms of really running that offense. And he's shown some anticipation. So he's going to be someone, be patient, but watch it. I think he's going to look better on film than he will probably in the box score. What else matters right. with the Panthers? I mean, yeah, they want to compete, but all that matters is Bryce Young. I mean, the, the vibes are high because of Bryce Young and because they spent a ton of money on their coaching staff, Greg. I mean, you, you run down the list. Josh McCown, QB's coach. You got a number of other notable guys on this staff. Frank Reich's here to change the culture. And they do have some leftovers and a defense that is sneaky good. Um, I think was their their best aspect the last three years was that defense because the offense was just so lost with the number of quarterbacks that they switched in and out. Again, this division is wide open, so I don't think it's going to take all that much. All you have to do is kind of string a few together and kind of figure it out. It's just that this team is attaching itself to a rookie quarterback who's going to have a little bit of growing pains. But like you said, they're going to ask him to do a lot, and I think he's equipped to do it as long as he can see down the field. That's the biggest issue that everybody's made a big deal out of is his height. We're not height shaming here, but he is a solid player. Uh, Bryce Young is, who I think is going to be do a, a quality job with this team. It's just, again, how high can they really go? It'll be better than where they were with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield last year. And it, to me, that alone is an improvement in the first year of a new regime. Well, and it's a point of departure. And there's hope because this is a different player than Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. And you've got a different coaching staff in there that's not going to get fired a month into the campaign. I, my concern, though, because it's like I, you don't want to attach too much to the limited uh, tape that we saw coming out of the preseason, but it's the offensive line because I think their strength is their is their defensive front. Um, they got a, like you said a, 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 a under under the radar defense, but you've got to keep him protected. This is one quarterback because of its size, and it's like look at he can take hits. It's not that he's the first time he gets smacked, he's going to be out of there. But like some of this is a different situation than where you were in college, and that def- that offensive line spooked me the entire month. Yeah, I think that. And the next team we get to, um, I'll spell it out more, but like Tampa Bay and even like Atlanta, who's trying to figure out their quarterback situation, this is a team in in transition. And, yeah, I think maybe they could hang in the division here um, if some things go their way. But I I, I struggle to take them seriously as a team that matters this year. And that doesn't mean that this year doesn't matter if you're a Panthers fan because it's an important building block season. There's not a lot of heat to me around this team. Not right now. The one team that's different is the Saints. Uh, And I think they are set up well for uh, success this fall in terms of uh, what success means for the New Orleans Saints in the post-Breeze and Peyton era. They have a a solid defense with veterans like Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, a a respectable offensive attack with an upgrade to QB, in my opinion. Uh, they have the very good fortune of playing in a highly mediocre and developing NFC South division. You don't have to love the Saints to see them winning nine or ten games this year. Uh, in a way, Derek Carr was the perfect addition for this team, Greggy, because the Saints are the Derek Carr of mm. NFL teams to me. Good enough to be relevant but not substantial enough to actually matter. Yeah, well, I think the Falcons and the Saints will matter because they have a chance to rack up wins in this division just based on the schedule. The Saints are feeling themselves. I, I'm i a little wary of it, but the Saints and their fans are feeling themselves after this preseason. The hopes are much higher locally than, than I would have, but they look at car and the line is pretty healthy right now and Thomas and Olave and Shahid and the deep backfield and Kamara's back, and they think... 
with this defense, like we could win 11 or 12 games. We could be a top Whoa. five to 10 offense. That's what they're thinking. I'm not thinking that. Not, I mean, they, have the, they, they play the weakest schedule. Um, that matters. I think you can you can compile and, and add wins that you wouldn't in a, in a different part of the league. Um, their offense, defensive line, not really impressed with either, not overly, but mm. you have parts all over the place. I mean, to me, it's like I uh, any team with Derek Carr, and I feel like I'm always so negative on Carr. Like, the floor is there. It's higher. It's higher than it would be with some quarterbacks, but the ceiling just feels shaky to me. And it's like, I, I, I but need that's to what I'm it. talking about. Yeah. I'm with you though. Yeah. I mean, that, that I think it, he'll help them and stabilize their offense in a way that Jamison Winston and company haven't Jamison Winston and company haven't been able to do. Is he better than Jamison Winston? Oh, I think without a doubt. Personally, no, I don't, I mean, I don't I think Jamison Winston can play. I, I don't well, look at, I think some of the highs with Jamison Winston are just like pretty phenomenal. And the, obviously there's the lows. Still it's talking way more variance with Winston. I, <laughs> Carr last, Carr, Carr last year was not a good quarterback. Like you can, you, there's he's been in the league for ten years. I'm sure, just the saying. sample size is bigger than that, but like he was a mess last year. He lost them games, and so it's like I want to see where these Saints fans are two months from now. Uh, what do you think shook about the fact that the Saints punter uh, was a professional scaffolder, then owned a tattoo shop in Bali and in Indonesia? And he's uh, he once played Australian rules football, never American football, until just like four years ago in his mid twenties. What do you think about that? That's grit. That's appreciation. That's a little bit extra boost, a little bit extra energy into every punt. Maybe he'll even hit the roof of the, of the Superdome. A 30 Maybe year old that. rookie. This is a movie waiting to happen. Yeah, it is. And uh, it, I have nothing further to add on that. Baker, part, I will Trask, say is Desmond Ritter, and Bryce Young are the quarterbacks in this division. <laughs> this team is going to be last year's Vikings team. Hmm. They're going to win 13 games, and we're going to realize they weren't that good. Real? Oh, that's a good take. That's mm. worth taking a trank for. I hope he picked the Give Saints as his division winner. Let's give it to him again. Oh, he got him in the oh. eye. Ah. Outfit him with a patch. <laughs> I like when the you see in modern times the guys that got the patch. It's like. How often are you encountering them? <laughs> bully to you, my man. <laughs> because you look. Like a bad NFR. It's a choice. Then you got to grow out the goatee at that point. You could go glass eye if you needed to. So it's, it's definitely it's a. But only if it's like the contact with like the eight ball or something. Glass <laughs> <laughs> <That's> eye. <laughs> uh, let's close out the South with the beloved Falcons. Nick Shook. Well, the hot topic in Atlanta is Bijan Robinson. He's the new face of all things Atlanta that aren't related to the Braves. But I love the Falcons for some different reasons. One, Arthur Smith is the coaching embodiment of the acronym that the kids love to use, DGAF. Mm-hmm. Don't give a you-know-what. He's going to do it his way, and, and even if you criticize him, he can't hear you through all that FedEx money. And reason number two <laughs> is the NFC South Too rich is wide to be open. wrong, Arthur Smith. Exactly. Can't hear you. I got the money phone up. What? Too rich. Uh, the NFC South is wide open, which we've spoken about uh, plenty at this point. So why not the Falcons? Desmond Ritter... Might be why. I mean, you know, he had a nice little four-game stretch last year, but, you know, there's not a huge sample size on him and not a ton of confidence in him at this point. But can he prove Arthur Smith correct in going with him? They added some veterans in the offseason. Jesse Bates, Calais Campbell, that tells me that, you know, these guys see a little bit of potential there. And they won seven games despite finishing 24th in offense and 27th in defense. And these changes in the offseason mean they have to be a little bit better, right? I mean, it can't be much worse than Marcus Mariota, quarterback, who was so bad last year that you just – flat out committed to the run and they have the easiest strength schedule in the NFL. So chances are they might be better than that seven win mark they've hit. 
Uh, they are going to be better. They had 68 sacks over the last three seasons. They've added some pieces. I'm not saying their defense can, will completely flip the switch out of the gate, but they added parts, um, reliable players. I just think this offense is going to be the, one of the stories of the season. We've talked about it a ton on this show. Um, I think other teams better get ready to pay the price. Woo. Their little front lawns are going to get burned down by the Falcons because I think this is a different type of team. And Arthur Smith, you know what? I fa- I'll say one thing. I think he's tried to completely... Blow away the idea that he's some sort of Nepo baby. He's gone his own route. I don't know how much money is coming into the bank account from FedEx. Probably not uh, a small amount. But, I mean, he's his own guy. And I think he's in year three. This is an Arthur Smith team that looks a lot like the way the Titans punished teams. Mm. They went out and they got the parts quickly. And right now I think they're so different than any other team out there that I cannot wait to see them. That's why I'm in on Smith because he brings something to the table. When he arrived there, they were known as the worst offensive line in the league for like five plus years. Right now, certainly in run blocking, and mostly with the same guys, you can look at them and say, that might be the best offensive line in the league in terms of run blocking. He completely transformed their energy, and that's something to build off. We'll see. We haven't mentioned Ryan Nielsen's name once this offseason. That's their new defensive coordinator. He came from New Orleans. The talent's better on defense, Dan. I don't know if they're going to be any better. It's a, yeah, that's a mystery. But you got you got a mashers up front because of Arthur Smith and that mustache. You guys have worn me down. Can't do it anymore. I'm just, it's time for the season to start. Um, I think Taylor Heineke starts six games for this team. And maybe you still win 10 because the division is dog shit. But you guys can um, be very excited. I'm not going to say anything negative other than Taylor Heineke starting. Disagreement's good. Last division. Let's see what you did here. You snake draft. Snake draft. Last division is the San Francisco uh, NFC West. Here is the San Francisco 49ers. Here is Nick Shook. Back to back we go. Uh, the hottest topic in the Bay Area remains the same as it's been for most of the Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch era, which is quarterback. Half the discussion retired officially when San Francisco traded Trey Lance to Dallas. I think we're all tired of that narrative anyway. The other half headed out to the beach house because turns out Brock Purdy is going to be fine. He's going to be the quarterback week one, right? So what's left? Well, Nick Bosa is still not with the team. He's still awaiting a lucrative mm. contract I heard some extension. weird whispers there, yeah. Just yeah, and eye. Kyle Shanahan even said he can imagine a scenario in which Bosa misses games because of this. Maybe time out. Even more. We'll see. Last time out. Stop the clock. Let's talk about the Nick Bosa thing. What are you hearing? What are time the weird out. whispers? I just... I, I suspect these are the types of whispers that actually happen before the two sides come to an agreement. But I think there's some conversation in league circles is like, is Nick Bosa definitely on this team? Could we get a mm. could we get a surprise move before this season? Starts? Kyle Shanahan insisted there is no chance they are trading him. But you hear coaches say that. All the time. And I think one, he was responding to these whispers, to be fair. Yeah. And and one thing I'll point out is his older brother, Nick Bosa, had a highly contentious beginning of his pro career with the Chargers over money. So the Bosa boys and the Bosa family are not afraid to get their hands dirty and dig in. Uh, this is not the same team without uh, Bosa. Uh, they need this man to be anchoring their line. I always tend to think this stuff will get worked out, but this is a team that, you know, has given up a lot of draft picks that turn into nothing. And if you cannot make it work with this player, you could get a bounty. I but I just don't see that happening. I, I don't either. I can't quite imagine because the only way it makes sense is if you get veteran players back, which is just like a wild 
thing to do right now. Like, it, I mean, this team does some it, wild it, things. It but. doesn't make sense for first round picks. I don't think in early September. May, uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. It it would be wild. Here's the Shanahan. How about a how about a Chris Jones for Nick Bosa trade? Let's just do that. Oh, fun. Now we're talking. <laughs> Here is uh, Kyle Shanahan's exact words. By the way, a little while ago you said this the Bosa thing was going as you expected. Would you expected him to sign by right now? I thought it would come probably to this time, just looking at the history of those things. Um, and I'm really hoping it gets done. I know they're working tirelessly at it. John, Hamp, Prague, I know their, their team is. and But um, hopefully we can get him in here sooner than later. Is there any way you can imagine this team not having him on the team, say, if this thing goes on into the regular season? Uh, yeah, I can imagine anything. Doesn't mean I like that picture. Um, of course not. You guys know how we feel about Nick, and um, we all know how good of a player he is. So hopefully we can come to terms soon and um, get him here as fast as possible. I mean, it, it sounds like he's starting to get a little bit nervous just because it's a little nervous. The corner. That and time he, of year. Hearing his voice a little bit a little there, bit. I thought. I bet, yeah, he expected him best. <laughs> all right, time in, Eric Roberts. All right, we're back to what we're down this list of things. All right, <laughs> Steve Wilkes replaces D'Amico Ryan's. As the defensive coordinator, another defensive coordinator that done a great did a great job in San Francisco heads off to a head coaching job elsewhere. Can Steve Wilkes be the latest to maintain their league best defense? That is a question. If he doesn't have Nick Bosa, it's going to be a little bit Probably more not. difficult. They did get Javon Hargrave in the offseason. Probably paid him too much for too long to, you know, based on the fact that he's already past 30. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Are they going to be good enough without Bosa? And when he when they get him back, is Brock Purdy going to match the hype that he created for himself with his Torrid run through the playoffs all the way to the NFC title game last year. Those are the big questions, but this conference is ultimately not that strong. The Seahawks are their greatest threat in this division. I still expect them to be there. It's just how good can they be? Mm. I think on the Steve Wilkes front, like this, um, the Niners under Shanahan have just become accustomed to being their coaches being plucked so often and, and, and the train keeps moving. And, and I think Wilkes, by the way, is not like a step down from anyone either. I mean, um, Players love Steve Wilkes, and we've seen that everywhere he goes. And I think that's a good thing for the Niners. Um, it is hard to duplicate that year after year. And I think it's probably tough if you're a player to have to get accustomed to a new style of coach, a new all of it. But maybe not. I mean, this guy's been around, and I don't. I just think the Niners are a team that I trust from Purdy, defense, everything to keep going. I, I do too, but it's amazing how little we've talked about Purdy's ceiling and potential this offseason. This is a second-year quarterback who played at an extremely high level for a rookie. If a top 10 picks played that well as a rookie, imagine if Trevor Lawrence played like that. I know they're very different. I'm just saying he played at a very high level as a rookie. We haven't really talked about what Purdy turns into. Is he just that guy forever? I think that's where our mind goes, but there's a chance it was a mirage. There's also a, a very realistic chance he continues to improve like most young quarterbacks do. And then 49ers really got something. I think what we saw from Jimmy Garoppolo in that offense helps inform me not to get too nervous about Brock Purdy because I think Garoppolo is an average quarterback. But maybe he's that looked great sometimes. And maybe it's higher. So I think because of the offense he's in, I think he's going to be good to maybe very good. Maybe not quite great. Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks. I like it. I like a lot of what I see here with the Seahawks, you know? I love their wide receivers. I like that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is on track uh, after suffering that injury. I like their running game if they can stay healthy. Um, I like their defense. I like Bobby Wagner's back and Tariq Woolen in year two can only get better. And there's uh, even, hell, I'll say it, 
Jamal Adams is back. What what does he give them? Maybe he can uh, juice them a little bit more. Uh, there is a Geno Smith question here. Uh, there is a little bit hot and cold as the season went on, but I think as long as Geno is somewhere in between there, and I think it right around the Dalton line, I think it's as a playoff team. So he doesn't have to be mm. the the monster he was at the beginning of last year that kind of shocked the league. Um, he just can't fall off a cliff, and I think he'll probably be okay to good, and that will be good enough for 10 games. I'm worried about if they have enough passers, but when it comes to Geno, I am curious, like, can he stay that aggressive? He was extreme. <laughs> he goes for it, and he did not have as many interceptions last year, I'll even admit, as he as he should have. So to me, that, that creates a high variance. Is He is going to go for it. He is going to try to fit that ball into tight windows and and that that's risky. Yeah, I think like with 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 Geno Smith, I I'm at the point where I trust that the, the first like 3 quarters of the season was really strong and it did tail off at the end. I mean, it was kind of concerning to see like how the Seahawks crumbled against the Niners. That defense just turned Geno Smith and the entire operation into a hot mess. Um but John Schneider after making that Jamal Adams deal which felt a little desperate back then, Two of the best drafts, potentially. Like, last year's draft was phenomenal, and he's done it again. If you keep doing that, you're going to keep supporting Geno Smith. You're going to support the whole operation. And the Seahawks, to me, are a sneaky, like, throw them into the NFC title game. I would not be surprised. Like, Ooh. they could upset Dallas. They could upset, potentially, Philadelphia. They could beat the Niners at some point in the playoffs. They're right there. I think they're just on the outside Look at of their that top too. three tier. I think they, they have a Niners problem, though, to your point. They do. They might have a Niners problem, but they you might get four wins out of uh, the other two division opponents, Shook. Yeah, that's going to boost you right out of the gate. But, uh, you know, I think as much concern as there might be or worry that Gino can't replicate that, I think that Pete Carroll's got the opportunity to go back to what he does best, who he loves to do the most, is run the football. Look at their running back. I mean, the situation. Stay healthy. Kenneth Walker, they draft Zach Charbonnet. They still got DJ Dallas back there. They have enough guys to just continue to keep pounding the ball on the ground, which will open things up for Gino and allow him to do these, these things that he did so well last year. You know, they tied for 11th in passing last year. They were 18th in rushing. I think you see those maybe even flip this year and defensively they can be better but because of what like mark just said two really great draft classes a ton of young talent on the defensive side of the ball they're really rounding out this roster and like you guys all said this division is not that good outside of the 49ers so i expect them to be in the conversation and probably be another wild card team maybe they won't be any better than they were last year Mm. we'll see i mean i I still think they'll be right where they were last year if not a little bit better i had one more kind of negative Gino thing there, but I ran out of time. So, Greg, congratulations. <laughs> Big congratulations Respect for the Greg. game. I mean, you're not respecting the game. I don't know where this trank is. I should be getting it. What? I'm not talking uh, about it. That was you. That was a voluminous one. That was aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, the Rams. Okay, you asked me, I, I think last week, Dan, at one point, um, like what young play? I think you asked about like what young players have been stepping up. What are who are? Oh, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I felt like it was a missed opportunity. <laughs> we talked about the Rams so much. Don't remember. No. I, I, uh, I have a couple thoughts. One, Matthew Stafford's the reports in camp are out of this world that like he's looked really good. So that's at, at least intriguing. Outside of communicating with the all these so-called younger players, that right? Are like like five years. Big new than smile him. he's got yeah. too. He's right. got those gleaming. Choppers. But number two, I think success this year is about these young players. So 
They're, they have an edge rusher, Byron Young, a rookie who's going to start, who who's, I think has looked pretty good. They have a guard, Steve Avila, who they believe is going to be a foundation piece in terms of a guard. Puka Nakua is going to play. What a name. Puka Nakua, slot receiver uh, in the Cooper Cup mold. We'll see how good he is. And then they have a very young secondary, couple second-year players, including Darian Kendrick. They have Trey Tomlinson, the small cousin of Ladanian. Like, developing these guys and Stafford playing well, to me, that's success. We've talked so much about the Rams, Shook. I feel like I've we've Talked, we've overextended ourselves on Rams talk. I want to hear you talk about the Rams. Have we? No, I think I, I, I feel agree like with they, you. we've had a lot of Rams talk this offseason just as, as a weird team. Hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, it doesn't help that you're right next door to the yes. where they play, but uh, I think this is a team where you just lower expectations. I mean, they, they basically did that for themselves with the letter they sent to the fans in the offseason. Look, we're not <laughs> going to be active in free agency, we are going to trade Jalen Ramsey, or we just did. We have to do this to be decent in the future, in the near future, instead of completely tearing it down. And I respect that because. You went all in. Everybody saw you go all in and they got on board and it got you a ring. And now you're just paying the price for it in a more straightforward way than the Buccaneers are doing. And that's mm. perfectly fine. A, a successful season for them this year is staying healthy, is improving the offensive line, is helping Matthew Stafford develop a rapport with his younger teammates, maybe. Although how often are you really going to see that visualized on the field? I don't know. But I do like what they did the minimal moves that they made in the offseason. I love Steve Avila. I think that offensive line was their biggest need last year, very obviously, and I think he's going to end up being there for a long time. That story from Stafford's wife may be kind of sad. It he, is, but I was all tongue-in-cheek, though. It I, was, I, I, I think yeah. it's just, I think it probably could have been like a bad day he had, or like a one-day sort of observation. Nobody plays like, cards anymore. I know, but why They're all on the like TikTok. People are on cell phones. Like guys and girls are staring at their cell phones all day long, a decade plus ago. This is not a new. This is not just happening to the Rams locker room now. I mean, I get the. So you're calling Matthew Stafford's wife a liar? Okay. No, not at all. I'm just saying that, like, I think he's probably all older players have had to deal with this for a while. He's the second yes. oldest quarterback in the league. That's kind of crazy. I th- it was all kind of tongue in cheek, and Sean, Sean McVay definitely. Uh, took issue with it. It was just saying, like, look, he, he's elite. I, I think this happens to any older player. Right. You, th- you think Tom Brady and uh, Nikhil Harry were yucking it up? I like that you um, you said that uh, Puka, Puka Nakua Puka Nakua was in the Cooper Cup mode. He's not a white guy, and that that's oh. good growth by everyone. Okay. Inside, outside. How about Puka Nakua? But especially to Atwell. What a, what a what a time. Puka Nakua's brother and or cousin, Kai Nakua. Um, that's worth it. I'll take another one. What is it? <laughs> Kai Nakua. Okay. He's Kai Nakua. Uh, Arizona <laughs> Cardinals, a fitting way to end things on a <laughs> oh. high note. Mark Sessler. You gave me the jackpot here. Um, well, you first of all, you've moved on from the heart and soul of the organization called McCoy. Uh, you now mind meld through a deep loss yeah, sector of, tongue of outer cheek. space. Good, good laughter. All seems lost, I think, if you're a Cardinals fan. but. Um, good bit, good laughter. I, here's the thing. I think people are too down on what's happening in Arizona. I really do. Oh, my God. Uh, I think there is a light on the horizon, okay? It's like one calendar year from now, we're very likely or very possibly talking about a team armed with a complete new, like, solar system in Caleb Williams. And then everything changed, and it's like, I kind of think you got to get on board in this. But I would say, is there anyone here that is like morally opposed to the hear no evil, see no evil tank job. Cause that's what they're doing. And like, no one's talking about it. No, one, I mean, they're talking about it, but it's like, we're just going like, to, this stuff just happens and the league. Does nothing about it. It's not what the NFL wants, but it's like when you cut Colt McCoy, your only reliable yeah, but... veteran, 
Like you're just 38 years old. In what world was I, he reliable or I'm necessarily just, better than Josh Dobbs? I, I'm not saying he's a all pro. I'm just saying that the Cardinals are clearly going in this direction. I am saying I kind of don't care because if the if the ransom for this or what comes on the other side is the best quarterback coming out of college and you reset everything, I'm cool with it. I just think there's some people that are getting like morally morally up, you know, thrown about, but because of the whole thing. Well, just you know, if you're going to charge full ticket prices and full parking and and ask your fans to, you know, buy into the team and then not try. Would slash, you rather, some, slash some prices and would, I'm in. Would you rather go like like a soft six-win terrible team, well, like they, not fun to watch? They might end up that way if they overachieved and if Kyler Murray actually came back. But to your point, there is light at the end of the horizon if you get uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May and you get picks for Kyler Murray. We'll see if they – bring him back or not. I mean, it's kind of easy to try to lose games. It's hard to do something with it after that. They're over under now, Shook. I saw is down to three and a half. Wow. Which is the lowest for any team, I believe. It, like they tied for the lowest ever, along with the expansion teams uh, that have been added to the league, like the Panthers. <laughs> well, this Texas. roster isn't much better than an expansion team right now. I mean, that's that's basically what we're looking at it at the quarterback situation and beyond um, on both sides of the ball. There is just, they lack talent. And, and Mark, you said you don't have a problem with this, right? I, well, the pro- I, I, you'll have a problem. I know when you'll have a problem week six, when you pull it up on replay and you're like, Oh my God, I got to sit through 40 minutes of this team playing terrible football. I can't believe their fans have to do this. No now, doubt. But I think like if you, if you float through the wilderness with no quarterback year after year and they have Kyler Murray, but like, I, I think they're clearly moving on from him at some point. It's the if NFL you, though. They could stumble into four wins. The difference between the, the medium teams and the bad teams, even a team this bad, isn't that huge. I, mean, I, w- I would take a terrible season for the best quarterback, like coming out of the college draft in years. But yes. Kyler Murray is one of the highest paid players in the league. He's on the yeah, roster. Do you trust Kyler Murray? It's, it's kind of beside the point to me. It's like... I think they're post-Kyler Murray. This team is such a disaster. The decision-making behind the scenes is a disaster. Every week, there's a new story. Like, look into right. what they're... What we just heard about Steve Kime and what's going on. And now we're talking about, oh, it's okay to go 1-16 because uh, we can look forward to a new quarterback next year. You already so, had the guy, Kyler Murray, last year. You gave him a massive contract, and now we're already looking past him getting traded hold, away hold from on the team. Back the Who, truck up. Back the but, truck no, up. No, wait a there. second. Why should I trust as a Cardinals fan that next year is going to be any better based on the way this team has been run for half a decade? Okay, so first of all, I don't well, disagree like that the, orga- the, the Cardinals organization has issues. I mean, in fact, they've basically like tampered to get their current coach, who probably will be fired after this year. So <laughs> it, is, it is messy. I'm just saying any, any football team around – your football team got Aaron Rodgers. Everything's changed. If, if the Houston Texans were in another world, and now they've got hope because they've got the young quarterback. It's like Kyler Murray was attached to the last coach and the last GM and the last regime. It's all new now. And if they want to move on from a guy that maybe football is not the most important thing on the planet to Kyler Murray or they're done with the experience, I get it. If you can get Caleb Willems, tell me Cardinals fans won't have a they'll, – they'll be fine a year from now if that's the end result. I, I hear you, but I – to Dan's point, the Cardinals are basically a, a lesser version of the Browns and Lions in terms of uh, a team that's been as dysfunctional as possible. Now they've had some higher oh, moments in Bruce this Arians. in this century that sort of make you know make you overlook that. But the way they've been moved around, it's been the same ownership. I hear that, and when you have Steve Wilkes, and that's what you were referring to, testifying a, a very trustworthy source that ownership and Steve Kine like directed him. 
uh, to use this burner phone and use this. Uh, it's like it's bad. And ultimately, yeah, you can sh- change the GM and the coach and maybe that'll lead to better. But, uh, you know, th- th- they are not uh, a fan base that has a lot of faith in the organization. And I get that. I hate outward tanking um, because the one thing I think, in or- and I've said it on the show before, don't take hope away from a fan base and and just say, sit through this year, pay us to take bad medicine here, and then everything's going to be better next year with a shiny new toy under the Christmas tree. Um, I just, I, I, I'm not buying it that that's going to be enough for Cardinals fans that are smart to feel like, oh, everything's going to be okay if we just get through these next. Well, maybe if you're games. smart, you're not a Cardinals fan to begin with, but, well, uh, you know. Well, we're Jason Zumwalt. Many is- of us. We're born into it, and yeah, like, I, that's like, what so, makes it so hard so let me, to be a so, fan. But I, so I, during the whole Browns journey, and Chuck, I wonder where you're at this. Like, I, they, they try to do this, and it, it doesn't work necessarily. Like, they, they end up getting Miles Garrett and, and Baker Mayfield, and it's like one of those players is excellent, the other is gone. So, yeah, it's a total – it's a total wild card move, but if you ended up getting like a top three quarterback, I'm just saying for me, yes. the long distance journey of being a fan, I could accept this if you got a absolutely organizational altering Peyton Manning 2.0, and then. But then, now we're talking lotto ticket because how many Peyton Mannings are there? I know, but then, but this is the way to swing yeah. for the fences. How many bad teams? And as a Browns fan, you knew this. As a Jets fan, I know this. You get the next great hope at quarterback, but then you give him a bad offensive line. Sure. You don't give him good weapons. You give dysfunction behind the scenes. It's like you do not get the trust, Cardinals, for me to think you're going to be okay if you just go through this bad year. Yeah, but typically functional teams don't pick number one overall unless they've done something insane to get up there. So it's like you like it takes this kind of a player or a quarterback to come in and save and change organizations. When Brett Favre came to the Packers, the Packers were an absolute disaster. They had been a disaster for a long, long time. And all the At same questions been were being mediocre, asked. though, because like the Cardinals and I think Cardinals fans are having this flashback after that four and 13 and how embarrassing Kingsbury was. They had it a little bit with Steve Wilkes, but for the most part, since Arians, they've been in Wizenhunt, Hunt. They've been fun. They've been frisky from 1985 to 2008. That's a long time. Same ownership. The St. Louis slash Phoenix slash Arizona Cardinals had one winning season, and that was a nine and seven Jake Plummer year. I mean that, and it's the same ownership. So you suddenly get these flashbacks. It's like, oh, I remember when we were the old Cardinals, and you're hoping those days don't come back. I feel. For I you. think it's de- it, it, it's dependent on the quarterback, like Mark said. Um, the, Caleb Williams could be that type of player, and I think that's why it's different. But I agree with you, Dan, because so many times you say, "Let's get the next great guy," but the, it changes based and on. Is it really class. a foregone so conclusion I'm okay that? With it. No, they're, they're Drake getting Drake rid of May, Kyler Murray. Drake oh no, May that too. Also, Drake May could be the number one overall pick for all we know. Yeah. Are we? It's a good class. Is what is the consensus opinion right now that Kyler will be moved? Well, or? that's why it's a soft like tank. They're not like I think the way they treat that and the, as the months go on, that story is going to grow. If if Kyler Murray clearly, you know, he says he's not ready himself, but if you get to the point three months from now. Um, he's healthy and he's not playing now. If they want, if they if they have one win, you kind of get that on some level. But like you've got to, it's it's sort of unspoken that this team is clearly trying to get the number. I one think pick. if they got the one pick, Kyler Murray is more likely to be elsewhere than than they are Absolutely. to, to, to uh, put the pick up for sale. But you never know. Yeah, I'd yeah. be surprised if Kyler Murray is their quarterback. You're from now very surprised. Um, and just looking at their schedule because I've mentioned Overwatch a couple times. If they don't find a win in those first. 12 weeks ending with a home game against the Rams. They close at Pittsburgh by home San Francisco at Chicago, doable at Philly, home Seattle. 
So wow, playoff run. You got to get a. They they have a game at Houston. You got to get a win in the division. You know those teams well. You just gotta you gotta beat the Seahawks or the Rams probably. Um. All right, Shook, you've said it all. You've said so much. You've said so much. You you can't even speak anymore. It's over. Uh, it was a bad time for the Cardinals to introduce new uniforms. I'll say mm. that. <laughs> Check out the uh, the Gridiron podcast, uh, the only podcast I believe in America that in the shook, world that shook host that is an F one slash football podcast. No one ever yeah. thought to try this before. Hmm. Versatile. Luckily, my physical therapist suggested it, and that's what we're rolling with. <laughs> it's one of those ideas. Once you hear about it, you're like, I can't believe I never thought of that. F one yeah. <laughs> pro football. The salad spinner. I, I can believe it because I don't know anything about F one, but it's it's fun. All right, thank you, Shook. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Everyone behind the glass. Mark, thank you. What a week. Well, thank, thank you, you and thank your bit, which was um, one of the know. best weeks of the year, and it's leading to uh, the actual best week of the year, week one. Go back and listen to that bit. We Open all liked ears. it. Open ears. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.